part two of episode 27. In part one, I spoke about the ATSSB All-State Band auditions. I unexpectedly made the band my freshman year, but after attending the All-State Clinic, I discovered that there was more that I wanted to achieve, mainly making the band all four years and earning first chair in the symphonic band. Let's move on to sophomore year. I get some additional help this year. The band director pays more attention to the other musicians, but he hires a private instructor for me, George Riddell. That's his real name. He may have been around freshman year, but I don't remember, but he would come in on occasion and help me with the audition pieces. I really appreciated his help. There were times where I would get frustrated with the music. At least once I had to step out of the room to cry because I couldn't figure it out. But he was patient with me. If there was anyone I would give credit to for making me a better musician, it would be him. Not long ago, I was wondering what he was up to, and with a quick internet search, I found out that he passed away in 2016. Mr. Rodell will never know how much his mentorship meant to me. Even though I got some private lessons, I don't think I practiced as much as I did the year before. I was very insecure with my appearance, but I was way too confident in my talent. I just believe that since I made the All-State Band once, I would easily make it again, so why bother practicing so much? For the All-Region auditions, I went in there and expected to see the same faces, the same competition, and I would get first chair again. But wait, there was a new face in the crowd. Todd. I'm going back to fake names. I heard Todd practice. He was playing random stuff really fast, and he was really good. I'm terrific at playing slow etudes, but my weakness for sure was playing faster music. My fingers can't move quickly enough. But Todd had no issue. As long as I could be better on the slow etude, then I would be fine. But he put me on high alert. So then I do something very odd during the auditions. I pray. Praying in and of itself is fine, but I was being obnoxious about it. I was outwardly praying and doing the sign of the cross every five minutes, at that time, it was more virtue signaling, and I'm not proud of it. But I was still nervous and needed guidance from a higher power to get through these auditions. The results came up. I made first chair again. Todd came in second. In your face, Todd. Once I got the result, I knew for sure I was going to make Allstate. Not only did I demonstrate that I was better than Todd, but I already made it once before. I know what it's like, and I truly believe that having that experience gave me an advantage over Todd. You know what was strange? We were the same age. He was a sophomore too, so why didn't he audition last year? I think he gave an answer once, but I, I don't remember. I think he said he wasn't interested, um, he didn't think this was a big deal until someone encouraged him to try. Now comes area auditions. I was thinking I was just as nervous as the last time, but I really wasn't. We get to the school, and I size up the competition again. Pete returned. This was his last year to compete. My new rival Todd was there, and there was another new face, Violet. She was good. She was also very sweet. I listened to every single person during their audition, and I deduced that there were four people deserving of making the All-State Band. Pete, Todd, Violet, and me but they could only take two of us, and I knew for sure I would be one of them. I was talking to someone else during the auditions, and all I remember doing was bragging. I didn't think of it as bragging at the time. I was just telling them what my experience was like making the Allstate Band as a freshman. I was like a veteran telling battle stories and imparting my wisdom to eager listeners. 
If you remember my poorly written script, Lucia gets called out in public for her arrogant behavior, and she falls short of making the all-state band. In real life, I didn't get publicly shamed, but I did fail to qualify. The two that made the cut that year were Violet and Todd. I wouldn't have been so devastated if I had placed third. Competition was tough this year, and there's no shame in getting edged out by two really good players, but I didn't place third. That was Pete. I didn't place fourth either. I was sixth chair. Two strangers, two nobodies that I paid no mind to placed above me. This was all my fault. I took this for granted. I rested on my laurels way too much and I underperformed. That was it. No Allstate band, no trip to San Antonio, no $1,000 scholarship. Crying is nothing unusual for me. I cry all the time. People bullied me because of it. But on that day, I cried for hours and I didn't care. On the bus ride home, a friend tried to cheer me up with a stuffed animal, but it just made me cry more. I couldn't stop crying because I knew I made a huge mistake. This time, people had high expectations for me and I ended up being an embarrassment to my school and to myself. I did make a trip to San Antonio in March, about a month after the Allstate Clinic took place. I was with my parents, and we hung out in downtown, and I was moping the entire time. We go to the Alamo, and I say, Oh, I could have gone to the Alamo last month if I made the Allstate band. Oh, you see that hotel in the corner? Oh, I could have stayed there last month if I had made the Allstate band. I don't know how my parents put up with that attitude, but I learned my lesson. The next year, I was going to rededicate myself to my instrument. I was going to work really hard and give myself the best chance at making the all-state band. If two others beat me out, it won't be because I was slacking off. Junior year. I don't remember if I was still working with Mr. Riddell, but I practiced a lot. Nobody had to push me. Nobody had to remind me of the stakes. I just focused on that music. I returned to the all-region auditions in December. Todd was there. I put my best foot forward. I don't think I was outwardly praying and giving the sign of the cross every five minutes. Todd ended up getting first chair. I was second. I was disappointed, but not discouraged. The real test was only a month away. I still had time to prepare, and remember, I only needed to make one of two spots. To say I was nervous at these auditions is an understatement. Those first auditions were making me literally sick to my stomach. But I probably aged five years during this audition at Area. Todd and I were there. Violet was there again. But now the dynamics were different. Todd was talking the entire time. He was chatting with another competitor, and he spent most of his time critiquing everybody else while they were auditioning. He had something to say about everybody that went into that room. Oh, he's too flat. Oh, she's not articulating well. Do they not know how to read music? How did they even qualify? I thought his comments were unnecessary, but if he wanted to talk, that's fine. I kept to myself. I wasn't bragging to anybody. I was keeping my mind focused on the four minutes that needed to be perfect. We all waited for the results. I was still nervous, but I wanted the misery to be over. Whether I made it or not, I just wanted to know so I could stop feeling so stressed. But something interesting happened while we waited. Todd was standing behind me, and another saxophone player approached him. 
She heard everything Todd had said during the auditions and she ripped him a new one. She did not appreciate his commentary. At first, Todd denied he was doing anything wrong, but she wasn't hearing it. I wish I remembered what she said word for word, but it was basically along the lines of Todd being rude and how all of us worked really hard just to get here. We didn't spend all of these months practicing just to get disrespected by him, and he should think twice before opening his mouth. Then she walked away. There were several people who were witness to this. This was humiliating. I didn't react externally, but internally I was like, oh, she told you. He deserved to be called out like that. But I think about it now, and I realize I got lucky. I exhibited bad behavior the year before, and I wouldn't have been surprised if someone came up to me and set me straight. Not even a few minutes go by before the results are posted. This is it. This is what I've been waiting for, for a whole year. Did I redeem myself? Did I correct the mistakes I made the year before? Did I be Todd? Yes, yes, and yes. Violet was first, and I was second. I jumped up and down in excitement. You know who didn't make it? Todd, that's who. I saw Todd's reaction. He seemed shocked more than anything. I had to stop for a second, and I said to him, I'm sorry, and then I went on hugging everybody that I knew. This felt so good. I worked so hard and I did everything right. I didn't give anybody a reason to doubt me and I was gonna go back to San Antonio. Here's what I remember about this particular trip to the Allstate Clinic. My final audition went well and I made it into the symphonic band. I wasn't first chair, but I was getting closer to it. I also stayed in a hotel room with three other girls from my school. One night we decided to rent a movie to watch in our room, The Sixth Sense. It was really late and three of us passed out during the screening. I woke up from time to time and I saw one of my roommates sitting straight up, clasping her hands, her eyes affixed to the TV. She watched the whole movie. And you know what she does the next day? She tells us the ending. This was one of the most shocking twist endings in cinematic history and she spoils it for us. What a jerk. This might have been the same year that two different birds pooped on her in one night, so I guess that was punishment enough. I had been talking to a friend that I met at band camp. No, not Pete. Ricky's his name. We talked through Instant Messenger because it's the year 2000. Facebook didn't exist yet. He told me he made the Allstate band too. I'm thinking, awesome, we should totally hang out. I didn't see him during the rehearsals. He made it into the concert band, but we eventually connect on Friday night. One of his classmates, Jerry, comes along with us. Before I leave the hotel, I tell my roommates, listen, I'm heading out with these guys. I'll be back before curfew. You guys have fun. My memory is getting fuzzier at this point, but I know enough of the main points from that night. Ricky, Jerry, and I walk around downtown for a bit. We eventually connect with their band director and hang out with him. The director was a nice guy. He was actually the one who taught me how to play with the vibrato a few years ago. It wasn't as hard as I thought. It only took him 10 seconds to explain it. Anyway, we join him and maybe one other director, so at least we're under the supervision of two adults. And he takes us to a couple of restaurants. The one I remember was a jazz club. We sit down, eat dessert, listen to live music. I was having a decent time. But here was the problem. There was a curfew. 
I don't remember the exact time. We'll say it's 11 p.m. It's getting close to curfew and we're still here at this jazz club and there's no sign of leaving anytime soon. Of course I get nervous because I don't like to break the rules. Cell phones weren't a thing, so I had no way to message my roommates and tell them I'm running a little late. I also don't want to break away from these guys and try to make it back to the hotel alone. On the other hand, I'm with two teachers that should be taking the rules seriously, but if they're not concerned with the curfew, and as long as I'm under their supervision, then I should be okay. We eventually finish up and make it back to the hotel, around 11.30. The directors assure me I won't get into trouble, they'll vouch for me if they need to. I'm going up the elevator with Ricky and Jerry and we get to my floor. The chaperone on that floor starts to grill me and wants to know why I'm late. Ricky and Jerry apologize and explain everything. The chaperone lets me go to my room. And as far as I know, I was never reprimanded for my tardiness. But I get into my room and one of my friends immediately runs up to me and gives me a big hug. She was so relieved to see me. Then she starts giving me the third degree. Where have you been? You had us worried sick. You were with who? You could have been abducted or you could have been raped. Don't you ever do that again. What's funny is that my friend was the most concerned out of everybody. My band director the next day heard I was late and asked what happened. I told him and that answer satisfied him. He had been upset and disappointed with me before, but not this time. I never told my parents this because why would I? But if they're listening to this podcast, then they know now. Sorry. This is one of those events where I'm not sure how to feel. Obviously, everything turned out fine. I never feared for my life. I was more concerned about being late to a curfew. But these were the circumstances. A 16-year-old girl is wandering a strange city with two teenage boys in the evening. She is then hanging out with four males. Two of them she doesn't know that well. Does that sound questionable? Should I have been more careful? Send me an email and let me know. We finally made it to senior year. I only had one more opportunity to reach my goals. I've got a lot to say about senior year as a whole, but let me try to focus on the auditions. One thing I didn't mention before, the class I took at the end of the day where all of us used that time to practice, of course we didn't practice the entire time. We'd hang out. While our band director was working with certain individuals, the rest of us congregated into one of the storage rooms and just talked. I don't remember any of these conversations, except one where some guy was joking about eating at the Y and I had to ask what he meant by that. He was not talking about the YMCA. Please, don't look it up. Sometimes the director would break us up, but not in most instances. If we didn't practice, then that's on us. For me, I was trying to strike a balance. I still took these auditions very seriously and made the time to practice, but I wanted to increase my social presence. Popularity meant something to me, so I was trying really hard to make friends with the youngsters, including the boy who would eventually become my quote-unquote boyfriend. I'm still not getting into that. I'll skip forward. We have all region auditions. Same old, same old. Todd and I advance. I can't remember who came out on top that year. I think I placed second because my band director tried to shame me in front of the rest of the band for falling short of expectations. Ass. But the more important result would come at area auditions. I probably made some adjustments between the two auditions. I knew that my skills and the slow etude were fine. I felt comfortable with them. But the fast etude wrecked me. It's the one I played at the beginning of this recording. 
It wasn't up to par with the two other pieces, so I worked on it as much as possible. I must have performed it well enough because for the first time, I placed first at area. Todd was second, so he's in, and Violet came in third. It should go without saying that I would have preferred Violet to win over Todd. And you know, I, I didn't hate Todd. I think we were friendly throughout this rivalry. I won't ever know for sure how he felt about me or if these auditions meant that much to him. But he was a giant obstacle. It would have made things a lot easier if he wasn't in the picture. Would making Allstate be less meaningful? I don't know. I mentioned before, fast etudes were more challenging to play, for me at least. No matter how hard I practiced, I always struggled with the fast etudes. And the one from this year seemed to be the death of me. I had a few weeks before the Allstate clinic, and all I worked on was the fast etude. However, it felt like the more I practiced, the more difficult it became to play. But it was important that I master it. If I couldn't play these series of notes competently, then first chair would be out of the picture. The thing is, we weren't going to have to play the entire thing for the final audition. Right as the auditions would start, they would tell you which excerpt to play. And the other thing I neglected to mention before, the format of these auditions were similar to region and area auditions. The difference being that all saxophone players would be in the room while you audition. You get the added benefit of having dozens of eyes and ears on you as you try not to screw up. The moment is finally here. The organizers tell us which excerpts to play. They give us our assigned numbers. We all sit in chairs in the formation of a semicircle. For the first round, we all get a 30-second warm-up. You get this bizarre mixture of sounds like you're in the middle of a horror movie. It's nothing but chaos and then silence. We take turns playing two of the scales and the excerpt from the fast etude. When it comes to my turn, I knew the weight on my shoulders would be lifted off very soon. But would I be able to play perfectly? Would I prevent this stupid piece of music from defeating me? Turns out the fast etude wasn't the problem. The problem was nerves. I was so stressed about this moment that I choked. As soon as I missed the first note, I could have let it go and continue to get the rest of it right. But my brain was saying, that's it, you're done. You can't come back from this. You know, just keep going. Don't even think about it. Just get to the end. I couldn't even read the notes anymore because I panicked. I still played something, but it wasn't what was written on the page, and it didn't sound good. Everyone else had to remain quiet, but I know inside they were thinking, how embarrassing for her. I still had the second round to go, and I redeemed myself somewhat. But nothing could reverse the damage that had already been done. At that point, I knew first chair and symphonic band was out of my grasp. But maybe, maybe I was good enough to get a spot in the symphonic band. Unfortunately, I wasn't. I made first chair in the concert band. If I could give you one word to describe my senior year in high school, it's bitter. And that was my attitude for the rest of the week. At first, I was going to try to make the most out of my first chair status. I assumed I would be up for a solo during the performance, but I looked at the sheet music, and there was no solo. However, one of the songs had a part for a soprano saxophone. I never played a soprano sax before, but it wouldn't be hard to figure out. It has the same fingerings. And I was excited to play this for the first time, but where was I going to get one? I didn't know who to ask, so I just approached the first coordinator I could find. 
I told him one of the songs has a part for a soprano sax and asked if I could get one on loan. Even if he didn't know how to find one, I believed he had the ability to find someone who did. He said he would look into it, and I thought, great, I'll hear back from him really soon. I think a day goes by and nothing has happened. I see the coordinator again and ask for a follow-up. God, this is going to sound like a workplace issue. But I follow up with him, and he says they're still working on it. He gives an excuse that they can't get a hold of the person who has the saxophone or it's being used for something else. At that point, I believed he was full of crap. He wasn't really helping me out. I didn't want to go to the band director for this, but I was hoping that at one point we would rehearse this piece, he'd see me without a soprano sax and ask me what the deal is. And then I could throw that coordinator under the bus and maybe the band director could light a fire under someone and I'd get my soprano sax. But that didn't happen. I never got my soprano sax, and no one ever asked about it. I don't know what the truth is, but this just gave me another reason to be angry. I was already mad that I was in this band, and I was frustrated that there were even two concert bands. Originally, back in 1992, ATSSB had only one band at the clinic. There were roughly 120 members selected to the Allstate Band annually, then in 1997, the organization decided to expand the selection of Allstate band members. They doubled it, which resulted in the creation of two bands. I don't think I had an issue with expanding it. I may not have made the Allstate band multiple years without the expansion, but I think my frustration comes from the fact that there are two tiers of musicians. The top half, the best of the best, would be in the symphonic band, and the leftovers would be thrown into the concert band. Even though I have the honor of being in the Allstate Band, the honor feels diminished when there's a hierarchy and I fail to make it to the top tier. Here's how I remember Friday night in San Antonio. One of my classmates and I have dinner with our band director and his wife. We go into a restaurant that was once a jailhouse. I don't think it exists anymore, but I get asked about my plans after graduation and I talk about the schools I applied to. At that point, I was waiting for letters informing me if I got accepted or not. Afterwards, I decide to go to the TMEA convention. The convention happens at the exact same time as the ATSSB clinic, and it also takes place downtown. They have tons of exhibitors and concerts, and in the three years that I've been there for Allstate, I've never been to this convention, mainly because none of my classmates or friends want to check it out. This was my last chance to see it for myself. I went to the convention alone. My director was aware of this. He was fine with it. When I get there, a concert was scheduled to take place. It was a high school symphonic band out of Houston that was honored as one of the best bands in the state. I went into the theater and the place was packed, but I was able to find an empty seat. In the middle of the concert, they introduced a guest soloist. He was one of the most accomplished musicians to come out of this band, and he was about to prove it by playing the flute. It was Andre. I didn't know it at the time, but he was going to be the inspiration for one of my screenplay characters. He plays, by memory, Carmen Fantasy, which is based on the opera by George Bizet. For 10 minutes straight, he is magic. There are 2,200 people watching him, and if he was at all nervous, he didn't show it. The best part of this performance, this guy was Mexican. I didn't know anything more about Andre, but he immediately became my role model and my new crush. I grabbed a program at the end of the concert and discovered Andre's real name. 
With some internet sleuthing a few months later, I discovered that he was an overachiever. He was studying music at a prestigious school. He was winning numerous awards for his performances, and he created an organization to bring music to underprivileged communities. He was also gay. None of this is important to the story, only that I realized that he wouldn't be my future husband. So I had one bright moment during the week, but right after the concert was over, I went back to feeling sorry for myself. I was walking through downtown alone. I know, not the best idea. But it was also apparent that I could have made this experience more enjoyable if I had the right attitude. Even though I made the concert ban, I could have been happy that I didn't have to be at school. I could have better cultivated relationships with the other musicians. My sole focus was being better than everybody else, and I let that goal define my experience. Our concert went well. We played one unconventional song called Dinosaurs. While we were performing it, there was a multimedia presentation playing behind us. We made music with wine glasses filled with water. We were singing and chanting. I couldn't tell how this sounded from an audience perspective, but they loved it. I don't remember much else from the concert, only that I went up to the guy who did get first chair in the symphonic band. I congratulated him before, but I did it again and told him I was truly happy for him. He was a really nice guy, extremely talented, and he beat out Todd for the top spot. My mom was able to make it to this concert for the first time. She made the six-hour drive with one of her friends, so instead of leaving San Antonio right after the concert was over, I was released into my mom's care and stayed an additional day. I don't remember if I told her that I had a bad Allstate experience, but I could tell she was trying to cheer me up. We took a boat ride through the San Antonio River. She told the tour guide that my birthday was the following week, and she got everyone on the boat to sing happy birthday to me. She bought me ice cream later in the day. We were planning to go to the botanical gardens, but we were rained out. I tried to remain strong in public, but every time my mom had to step away, I was crying. At the hotel room, we were going to sleep. It was dark and quiet, and I still cried. I tried really hard to keep it to myself. I didn't want my mom to hear me. I'm sure she would have comforted me, but I didn't want her knowing that I was depressed. A small part of me was thinking that I shouldn't show weakness. I was worried that my sadness would be dismissed and I needed to get over it. As I'm crying in silence, I knew that my Allstate experience was over for good. No more hours of practicing, no more auditions, no more fast etudes haunting me in my dreams, no more chances to be the best. What's done is done. To add insult to injury, we drive back home the next day. I received a letter from one of the schools I applied to. Rice University. I wasn't accepted. That sadness from Allstate bands stayed with me for a while, but it was time to look forward to the future. A couple of weeks had passed and I received a letter from another university I applied to. This one was from the University of Notre Dame. They were inviting me to visit the campus one weekend in April. Of course they would want prospective students to come visit, but this is what caught me off guard. The university would pay for the trip. Everything from the flights to housing to meals would all be covered by the school. When I got that invitation, it was pretty much a given that I had been accepted. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know it would be possible for someone like me from a small Texas school to get into such a prestigious university. 
I applied just to see what would happen, and after getting that letter, I couldn't not go to Notre Dame. My original plan was to remain in Texas. There was a school a few hours away that had a great music program. I would go there, get my degrees, yes, multiple, and make a living as a high school band director. But the plan changed, and I was going to live out of state for the very first time. It's probably a good thing that I didn't stay in Texas for a number of reasons, but one I want to bring up is this. I started out as a major in music, and after one semester, I changed it to a minor and declared film, television, and theater as my major. I enjoyed the film classes much more than I did the music classes. When it came to my proficiency, I was never at the level that I used to be, because I didn't have time to keep up with it. I had to study for exams, read a lot of books, write a lot of essays. But a paradigm shift happened on that last trip to San Antonio that affected my future as a saxophone player. I lost my heart for it. I still participated in band all throughout college. I finally got to play a soprano saxophone, but I had no motivation to do more than what was expected of me. Once I went to graduate school, I took a break from playing the saxophone. I thought I would come back to it someday, maybe if I found a community band to play with. But since 2005, I maybe picked up the saxophone three times. I could pick it up again. My Yamaha saxophone is currently in storage. I still remember the fingerings for each note. I can still read the music. But I'm thinking of every excuse not to play it. I don't have good reads. I don't have a music stand. It's not going to sound nearly as good as a Super Action 80. But what's holding me back is that I don't want to play basic music. I want to get back to where I was before. I want to play the etudes from high school, but I can't get myself to work that hard to get back to that level. When I was writing my notes down for this episode, not once did I break into tears. Some feelings resurfaced, but I'm, I'm no longer feeling any pain or sadness from it. For one, it only took a few years to know what real pain was like. Having a loved one die, getting dumped for the very first time, being on the brink of homelessness. Some things are just more important than failing at the Allstate Band. And second of all, making the Allstate Band is a great achievement, but I don't use it to help me get through life. I don't add it to my resume when I apply for jobs. I didn't add it to my online dating profile. I don't use it as an introduction when I meet people for the very first time. But I still miss playing it. A few years ago, I was not feeling great about most things I was doing. I'd hoped that in my 30s, I would be more successful, both in my personal and professional life. But I remembered that at one point, I was incredibly good at something. It was playing the alto saxophone. I just want that feeling again of being good at something. If it's not with the saxophone, then it could be something else, like this podcast. I know it's not impossible. It just takes a lot of hard work, consistency, and avoiding the urge to quit when things don't progress as fast as you want them to. Two final things I want to bring up. If you're wondering whatever happened to Pete, Mark, Todd, or Violet, I honestly don't know. If I had stayed in Texas, I probably would have gone to school with some of them, but now they must not have a social media presence because I've been unable to locate them and see what they're up to. I do know that a couple of people I met at the Allstate Clinic are now conductors for concert band and orchestra. I'll never know if they cared about making these auditions as much as I did. And finally, I want to mention the last concert of the school year, my last one as a high schooler. 
Our band ended up performing one of the movements from the Divine Comedy, The Ascension, and I got to play my solo. This was the other goal I wanted to achieve, and I did it. Like Shane, I got to stand in front of the stage. I was introduced and recognized for my accolades all throughout high school. I didn't have the entire band accompany me, just 15 of them, enough to cover every instrument. I performed Yakety Sax. It wasn't flawless, but I didn't choke like I did back in February. I remained focused. I took great pride in performing in front of my family and my community. Once it was over, I covered my mouth in shock. I couldn't believe I got through it. I was met with a standing ovation. I took a few bows. I was relieved and I was grateful. Everything I went through culminated in a wonderful moment that can never be taken away from me. You can reach me at semifailedwriter at gmail.com. My website is semifailedwriter.com. There, I'll post links to some of the music I mentioned during the episode. And my Twitch and Instagram handles are at semifailedwriter. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again next week with a new episode. Until then, be safe and be well.